While the world whizzes by, enjoy a moment of me time with Tim Horton's new $6 breakfast bundle. Savor a small hot or iced coffee. Then add your choice of a mouth-watering hot breakfast sandwich and a crispy golden hash brown and your pick of a classic donut. All for six bucks. All just for you. Make your mornings all about me time with our $6 breakfast bundle. Available at your neighborhood Tim Hortons. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Attention Kroger shoppers. Did you know there's a world of innovative services and patient care right in store? It's where an award-winning pharmacy and nationally recognized care come together. Connect with one of our licensed pharmacists today at your local Kroger and experience the care you and your family deserve. Kroger Health. A world of care is in store. Services and availability vary by location. Age and other restrictions may apply. For coverage, consult your health insurance company. Visit the pharmacy or our site for details. I mean, could there have been a more fitting end to the 2021-22 season? Starting 502 podcast, Presley Meyer, Nick Connor. Nick Connor in, in sunny Cincinnati, who looks like he's been ready for bed for about two hours <laughs> or might have just gotten out of bed to do a podcast i don't know it's 12:04 a.m here on the east coast louisville falls 51 to 50 in what should be their season finale it's probably the worst season in louisville basketball history at least the worst season in the modern era for sure worst season since you and i have been alive definitely Nick. It, it was so predictable so predictable that louisville would lose in this fashion because Virginia just always finds a way to just eke one out against this team. Uh, Nick, I'll bring you in here. What is your ultimate just kind of takeaway from this game? I mean, <laughs> there, there, there's a lot of different directions you can go, but what, what's the what's the main storyline here? Louisville had enough tonight. Like you said, they they did. They they played hard enough. They executed well enough. They did enough on the glass. They did enough defensively. I was really impressed defensively and just simply didn't have enough down the stretch on the offensive side of the ball and quite frankly got taken out of stuff they had run early with Sid Curry, Sid Curry being in foul trouble all night long, um, two horrendous, horrendous moving screen calls early in the game. I thought I thought personally that was a theme. I know some uh, particular Virginia fans on Twitter thought otherwise, but just felt like the whistle was not consistent tonight. And again, my issue is never too many whistles or not enough whistles it's just be, be consistent and i really felt like that second half got away from the the officiating crew and again like i said sid sid was the the byproduct of several bad calls and i felt like he, he struggled to get into a rhythm offensively because of that only six points on three of seven from the floor and Louisville really hung around defensively and that set the tone in the first half and then the second half they just they just couldn't do enough offensively and and obviously, other than an LLS 38-footer right before the horn sounded, they, they just couldn't do enough down the stretch. Yeah, it was super apparent that Virginia made it made an effort, as we kind of suggested last night, to essentially just take Sidney Curry out of this game, and that's exactly what they did. 
Um, I mean, the, the moving screen thing, you know, that the, part of that is just Virginia acknowledging that there are easy ways to get fouls on a big lumbering, you know, the biggest guy on the floor. There's easy ways to get fouls on a guy like that. And, and teams like Duke and North Carolina do the same kind of things. Um, and, and, and ultimately, it takes you out of your rhythm. And in Sydney Curry, 18 minutes tonight, a three for seven from the field, uh, seven total rebounds. I mean, you know, it, he, he played a, a solid game when he was in. He missed a couple of close shots. He was really killing himself as far as just statistically. I mean, Louisville was right there in every category with Virginia. They led by four at the break, had the largest lead of the game at nine points early on in the game. Um, Louisville, you know, went to the line nine times. Virginia went 13. Louisville had 12 turnovers. Virginia had 10. Uh, points off of turnovers, Virginia 15 to 11. Uh, Louisville led in rebounds. Louisville led in offensive rebounds. Louisville had four blocks. They could have had maybe five blocks or something like that against a lesser opponent earlier in the season, but four blocks for this team, that's solid. Nine steals. I mean, that's got to be up there uh, statistically this season and seven assists. Um, you know, they, I know they had six against Virginia on Saturdays. So Louisville played very evenly with the Cavaliers tonight. It really just came down to just the little tiny things mm. in this game just added up to matter so much. You know, when when Virginia essentially missed, I, I, I can't think of the exact number, but they missed a, an incredible amount of shots in a row, and they were only down by like two points. They had a, they had a stretch where they were like one for 11 or something like that, and they came out, out on the other end. You know, it, it's, just, it's just a team that that – if they're not scoring, they're just going to defend that much harder. And that's just kind of the antithesis of, of what Louisville was this season. Uh, Louisville, Louisville's defense often went as its offense went. Uh, obviously wasn't the case tonight, but overall, that's kind of, you know, a, a good way to highlight how the juxtaposition between Virginia and, and, and Louisville. And this is a Virginia team that was not ready to go home. They finished strong. They made They made their last five field goal attempts. It was just another one of those performances against Louisville where they did just enough to win. It makes me harken back to the Louisville-Virginia game where Louisville had to eke out a game where they were clearly the superior team in, in the, late late in the season during the COVID year. You know, that was one of their last games of the season, and, and Louisville was clearly the better team, and they just had to just kind of battle and eke one out. That was the one where uh, Tomas Wolden-Tenze went off. I think he had eight threes or something like that, but... You I was in the building for that one. I was as well. You you can go back and 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 look over Virginia matchups, and it seems like the ones that Louisville has won, they've had to really just eke them out. And if there's anybody mm -hmm. blowing anybody else out, it's been Virginia. If there's one team besides Kentucky that Louisville struggled with over the last couple of decades, it, it, it's it's Virginia. And so it's it's a tough way to go out, but it seems like an appropriate way to go out in a season where. You know, it seems like Louisville just could not get things to go right. They just needed one or two more shots, one or two more balls to bounce their way. And and ultimately, they just couldn't get it to happen. As far as where Louisville goes from here, is there any, are there, were there any redeeming things to take away? I mean, I guess, you know, now we kind of turn our attention to this coaching search to the most intensive and confusing and really just kind of, I would say, reality changing a coaching search and, and program history across football, basketball, anything else. We've never experienced anything like this. So going into this offseason, any takeaways from just this game from the from the tournament? I don't know. Are there are there any narratives that Louisville fans are going to pick up on in June or July 
I mean, I think you do need to be encouraged by the effort and mostly the execution the last two nights in Brooklyn. I mean, it was much better than what we saw down the stretch in the regular season, what we saw against Virginia four days ago. Um, so I think you got to be encouraged by that. I think I was just going to add the Virginia, just what Virginia does schematically on both sides is just so different than what a lot of teams run out there, especially in the ACC. And it just really felt like Louisville got worn down tonight defensively there at the end. I mean, coming to mind is out of the timeout, the blow by uh, on Noah Locke. One, Noah Locke, as Mike Rutherford said, should never have been out there when it's an offense-defense situation where you could have called timeout. And second of all, very clearly Tony Bennett ran a very quick look knowing Louisville was expecting, you know, running the shot clock down, running one of their sets where they, you know, have five, six motions. So, again, Tony Bennett is so good X's and O's. You can say what you want about the guy. He is really good X's and O's. He's gotten the most out of this roster. They still not may not be in the NCAA tournament. Wake Forest probably cost themselves a spot in the NCAA tournament today, um, losing in implosion fashion to Boston College. All that to say, I think you, you can be excited about the effort and the energy, but like you said, turn the page. Contrary to what Corey Alexander said on the broadcast, Mike Piggy's the Mike Biggs era is not going to go, <laughs> go forward. Um, and so it, it's time to, to be on uh, Kenny Payne watch or Scott drew watch or whatever name you want to throw out there as a dark horse watch. But I think, I think we'll find something out here soon here in the next few days would be my expectation. I know we talked about previously, maybe selection Sunday has been that target of a day where you try to, you know, control the headlines maybe by announcing your coach then. Um, but I, I, I think it's going to be roster turnover. It's the new coaching staff and then roster turnover. I expect a majority of these guys to not be on this roster next year. Obviously, you have several grad transfers. You have several seniors. Obviously, those guys are gone, but I, I'm expecting several other guys to um, be in the transfer portal and and be seeking out other places to play Division One basketball next year. And real quick, while we're on the subject, before we do any moving forward, are, are there any punches that we'd like to throw at, at uh, Corey Alexander? Any any comments because it seemed like like last night was it was bearable enough because Louisville was leading for most of the game, but it's widely acknowledged that that guy just really stinks on the broadcast, especially when you're watching for a Louisville game. So when you're watching for a Louisville Virginia game where it's already like just kind of not kind of boring and not fun to watch and it's 11 o'clock at night and you got to hear Corey Alexander saying stuff like, well, if, if I was Louisville, I would have saved my money and just retained Mike McGee's. Get the heck out my door. Like, what are you doing, bro? Like, just he just says stuff and then he's like, well, you know, like he'll just backtrack. I, it just it really makes you appreciate Jay Billis and, and those guys. Any any comments on the Corey Alexander saga? Uh, again, you know, if people don't know he's a UVA grad. Uh, one of the one of the greats in, in Virginia history had a solid NBA career, but man, his, he he gets a lot of a lot of undue credit for in his broadcasting career so far. I think the biggest thing for me is like it's OK to have a self scout on, you know, the team you came from. It's another thing to be calling multiple players by nicknames that no one else calls them by. I mean, you got to start there. Like, I don't even know what he called. The big seven one guy, like Cavano or whatever. I don't even know what he called him at one point. Cookie or coffee or something. I don't know. And second of all, I mean, just how many times did he have to walk back what he said earlier in the game? He did that last night when he talked about, you know, you got to really, you know, really like the little effort after saying five minutes before that they had closed the season out with good effort. You know, just like doesn't make any sense. And then just his his talking of Kihei Clark is just like, man, we can all see it on the floor like. Dude's 5'8", like he's impressive, but also elbows on both sides of the floor 
also never gets called for a ticky tag foul. Also, the charge or the yeah, the charge he drew on Mason Faulkner was absolute gar garbage. And it, it's just the just the way he was gaslighting the officials, quite frankly. Like, and even at there at the end on the two minute review with Sydney touching the ball and then it going off with a Virginia player. He was so sure it was Virginia basketball. And then they showed one last angle and he's like, Oh, Oh, that's clearly Louisville basketball. Like, I mean, just do your job. It, and how many times did the, did the play by play guy just have to jump in and just interrupt him because it was just hard to, I mean, he laughed multiple times and that's never a good sign. Like, Again, I don't. I understand he's a Virginia great. I understand he played in the NBA. Very good basketball player. Obviously, he knows what he's talking about. But like, at a certain point, just call the game and stop trying to influence it. How many times have he said Virginia's just gonna, just gonna keep chipping away here and they're gonna win it? I mean, he literally said in the first half, Virginia is going to win this basketball. I mean, like, at a certain point, just be professional, do your job. And of course, like you said, when it's Virginia Louisville, it's hard to watch. Anyways, we don't need this added to it. Did you know, were you aware that Tony Bennett's philosophy is he just wants to score just one more point than the other team? Amazing. It's just like, I think he just like, he has, he has a notepad and he writes down like three things that he wants to say. And he's like, all right, have I said this in the last five minutes? Tony Bennett wants to win the the game. (laughs) Did you know that Mike McGee is an interim coach? Like, it's just like little stuff like that, that we're just, we're just throwing in there. You know, Mike McGee is not much experience. You know, I really got the really excited for Mike McGee. Is that how you say his name? I don't even (laughs) <laughs> it was it was nauseating. Uh, one one other thing that obviously is is a huge storyline in this game. Louisville attempted 22 threes and made five, uh, which is not great. That's 23 percent. But uh, Virginia only attempted six threes and made zero. Mm. Uh, so that I thought that was kind of fascinating storyline that, you know, they, they hinted at it a lot on the broadcast. But I thought it was very fun, actually, to watch uh, Jared West versus Kihei Clark. I don't think that Jared West necessarily has the offensive repertoire that that Kihei Clark has, but Kihei Clark also won a Division One national championship as as the starter in in his freshman season. So that's a guy that's just been was it was it was a freshman season, yeah, freshman season. He, that's just a guy that's just been on it since the moment that he arrived on campus there, and it, it feels like he's been there for ten years. Mm-hmm. And I'm just excited that I never have to see his face again. And I hope he has a successful career elsewhere. Gosh, that was that was just hard to to deal with for so long. Um, as, as far as storylines and narratives of the season, do you think that the way that Louisville responded to Mike Biggs at the end of the season, th- despite the record, do you think that there that will impact the narrative of the season at all? You know, say 10, 15 years down the road, or is this just going to be like the Bobby Petrino two and 10 season where it's just like we don't talk about that year? I think there, I think it had already begun to change. I think we all had that, you know, that Baja Bullies moment together. And then we had like the Carolina moment where he lost his mind in that horrendously officiated game to where we're all like, oh, Mike Pagese, I like this guy. Like he, uh, he gave it his best go. Like he obviously cared about culture. I mean, he suspended a three time co captain multiple times i mean he clearly was trying to change things and make them better i'm of the belief that while he may not be a head coach next year he's at most a year away from having his own squad full-time um elsewhere i I, because i think he has enough connections and he's shown enough uh, that he can he can do enough but i i don't think overall i think it'll like you said the petrino you know 2.0 last year where we just try to forget it i think it'll forever be the the chris mack quit on his team year um, and, and the way that 
that that shook out. And I, th- I think that's the thing for me looking back at it is I really feel like the last couple of weeks that narrative has really switched once we did see some good things um, that obviously the Chris Mack culture just was not working. Um, and it's a, it's a lot easier easier as a fan to say it was that guy's problem um, than to blame it on the you know 19 and 20 year olds on the roster. So I just think in retrospect, Mike Begeese won't get a whole lot of love, but I feel like he's somewhere in the middle where we, we know enough to respect him and uh, wish him well to his future endeavors. But it's a lost season. It's the worst season. And like you said, I mean, pick your amount of years. We're all eager to turn the page and recruit both in the transfer portal in the normal way and, and get this thing turned around absolutely quickly. I think that an underrated thing, maybe down the line, maybe in like two, three years is going to be just the storyline surrounding Jalen Withers. And that's not something that we talked about a, a lot, but I mean, he's, it's a guy that he was injured and not able to play the last, what, four games of the season. I believe he, his, his final game of the season was at Virginia tech only played seven minutes because he got hurt in the first half. But it's just it's been a, just a chaotic season for him. And that's a guy that we expected to be the best player hands down coming into the season. And it's just it's so all over the board. Like, he, you know, he, he started the first seven games of the season and his minutes ranged from 13 to 34 minutes the first seven games of the season. And then he sat for two games and only played 10 and 23 minutes. And then he started a game and played 20 minutes and, and had a pretty poor performance against Western Kentucky, maybe his worst of the season. And then he didn't start for, excuse my dog, squeaky toy. He didn't start again for looks like about 12 games. And his, his minutes in that sequence throughout the season varied from three all the way to 30 minutes. Then, then he kind of turned it on. Then once, once Chris Mack left, then, then he turned it back on again. He became a starter until he was injured. He played 30, 25, 30, 33, six and seven minutes. And it's just like, it was just so all, all over the place. Four goose eggs this season. But he also had a game with 20 points. Multiple games with, with double digit points. It's just no, no player. I mean, Every player was all over the all, all over the place this season. Um, Malik Williams sat out two games and then was in, incredible the two games on, on either side of those games. And it's just like <laughs> that's kind of the storyline of the season. It's just been so all over the place. You know, Jared West will score twenty one game and then hardly play the next game, and then L. Ellis will be your leading scorer and scored, you know, 25, 30 points, one game, and then nothing. And then you have Sidney Curry emerging at the end of the season. And so ultimately, I think that this, the reason that I bring up uh, Jalen Withers is because I think it's a guy that nobody's talking about that is very likely to come back. If you're, I think if you're the new head coach coming in, obviously we've talked a lot about Sidney Curry. We've talked a lot about L. Ellis. Jalen Withers is a guy that I would love to see on this team next season. And I think it may be one of those things where if he's a, you know, he's, he's been here three years, sat out his first season. I think it could be one of those things where he could come in, you know, the new coach can come in and and he could be by a senior season. And we're just talking about like, he basically had three years that were just completely wasted. You know, he redshirted one year, he missed out on his, on his best year. He missed the tournament another year he missed because of COVID. And then this year his team was terrible and he was just all over the place. I think that might be the storyline in the next year or two. And maybe I have my players wrong. Maybe it's LLS. Maybe it's Sidney Curry. 
Maybe it's, you know, next year, Samuel Williamson finally services as a consistent player. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. Are there any kind of storylines that you immediate that immediately come to mind that you think like going forward, this this could be a major narrative, especially surrounding this particular season? I think I'm just interested to see where, where all the pieces fall, both player wise and coach wise. I know uh, Pagis quotes are just now coming in. I don't know if there was a delay with the post game media availability or whatever, but it seems like he's just now talking and he's, he said something about basically, I hope, hope these guys all land on their feet. Like we got a good locker room of, of adults in there as well. Um, and, and that, that human element, I think gets lost in translation here. Like obviously if, if someone was coming in to buy out your company or to take over your management, it would affect you at a very high level, especially when um, some of these assistants, the main connection that they had was Chris Mack. Um, they're going to really have to do some networking to get on a bench somewhere next year. So I think you got I'm interested to see how those pieces fall, see if anybody um, like a Christian Cunningham stays around, um, you know, even those, those grad assistants and, and um, other guys, additional staff are, are part of the culture changing hands. Um, and then just interested in, in whoever, whoever the head man is brings in and what they try to do to connect um, with, like you said, the guys that they're trying to transfer over from the current roster. So, so what does that look like moving forward? And, and then I, I think just the the overall vibe of, of the program mentioned to see if it changes very quickly, you know, from a social media perspective, does it look like we are feeling ourselves again, quite frankly, and, and believe we are a top five, top 10 program? And are we talking about ourselves in a way that makes it feel like we're not going to have anything like this again next year? You know, just just those little bits and pieces, like what is what's going to be different? How quick does it does it change over for us? And and. and how quickly can this transition take place and how well can it be done from a PR standpoint, I, I think are really big factors. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, if you don't think that Louisville is a master of, of public relations after this season, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, they, they nobody has gotten more mileage out of a video team than Louisville basketball this season. You look at some of these, obviously in the offseason and, you know, transitioning from the geese, the Mac part one was obviously there's a lot of optimism around the program, especially after the Bahamas trip. And then, <laughs> and then as the season just starts to decline, Chris Mack leaves. And then, I mean, it's just, this season was a roller coaster and the entire time. The video team is just putting out just gold, just like absolute gems, like cin- cinematic, cinematically so creative and just so uplifting and positive. And it's like, okay, if we go into this off season and you're starting to see a lot of positive stuff out of the video team and social mm-hmm. media team, you got to remember that they were getting on airplanes uh, going to lose their their tenth straight by thirty plus points to a, to Wake Forest, and you're just watching these videos, and you're like, pump this into my veins, bro, dude. They're dunking in practice. Matt Cross is going for twenty five tonight. If there's any opportunity for you to just not take credence at all for what what the video team and social media is putting out, I think it's this. I think it's this this season. I mean. I'm going to be, I'll be 50 shouting that from the rooftops, like social media is fake, bro. It's, it's like those, those filters and they're using the filter that's called no filter. And they just look like they're like back in their college days, all of a sudden, like that was Louisville basketball media. And so I don't know, it's, it's 1228 AM at this, at this juncture. Nick's got to get up in like three hours, Nick, any final takeaways? We're going to have a lot of content coming out here postseason. Obviously, coaching search could last 24 more hours. 
It could last 24 more months. Like we really don't, we don't know what's going to happen at this point. And anybody that says that, that they do know what's happening is as, as we've kind of seen is just, they're, they're lying to you, like just straight up lying to you. Nick, you're reacting a lot to social media, anything in a Twitter sphere, Facebook sphere, TikTok sphere, anything that you want to, you want to throw out that, that's standing out to you in the post game before we get the heck out of here. You know, I have a source that says that Louisville played decently tonight and <laughs> they will be hiring a new coach. I cannot confirm um, if that's within the locker room, outside the locker room in the hotel. Um, did you get permission have, to talk about this? Um, I didn't. I actually didn't ask before I shared it. So I'm going to have to go back before we hit send here. And Yeah, that, that's and fine. Some... And that's why we don't record live. And, and you know, it's, you know, you just got to be careful. You don't end up in a cease and desist situation. We usually fact check where we do that. But no, I, you know, I, I'm interested to see, like you said, how fast the, the hiring process publicly goes. Like, like we've talked about, obviously, things have been moving behind the scenes. People have been speculating, throwing things out. But let's let's see how fast something actually sticks on the wall. How fast that that beautiful video team gives us uh, our new man walking off the plane and, and and transitions us into back to an era of greatness. In all seriousness, I really feel like it's going to take it's, – it's, I don't think it's going to be within this week. I really don't. And, unless Louisville has really been just unbelievable at being secretive and everything that comes along with that, I really think that it's going to be until the end of the NCAA tournament before you hear anything. Sounds like Louisville's 2022 signees are pretty solid. Uh, maybe Frederick King might be, you know, considering backing out, but it sounds like their two best signees are in it for the long haul. Obviously, it helps that Tay Davis's brother is on the team right now and, and doesn't plan on going anywhere. So that's pretty nice. Far as the coaching search, the way that college basketball is built right now with the with the one-time transfer rule, with the transfer portal, uh, with there being so many uncommitted top-ranked players out there, I don't think it's some like massive rush. To even if it is Kenny Payne to just rush him in here and just change. I mean, like nothing is going to change over the next month except for fans bickering and sports radio not having something to talk about. Like, let's be honest here. Nothing is truly going to change that much. Like the players are going to be able to just finish up school and get back home or do do whatever it is that they need to be doing. There, there's going to be this transition period. Period. Regardless, let's not rush it. Let's make sure that we make the correct hire. Um, and, and people are going to be fed up with it because normally, say Chris Mack decided to stay, normally tomorrow is when you start having those conversations and then the coaching search starts. So we're like a month and a head, month and a half ahead of where we should be right now. I think that's what is kind of ultimately frustrating fans is just it's, it's just maddening to have to go through the end of the season not playing well. And the only thing that you can really think about is what's going to happen next season or what's going to happen in the offseason. And you have no inkling inclination of, of what's going to happen. If you're a Louisville fan, you're out there and you're looking for something to grasp onto, I would just consider just taking a step back, just realizing that that the Louisville administration's literally going to try to make the best possible hire. And that takes time. If you want to hire a successful coach, there's no successful coaches out there that are going to be sitting on the sidelines for the next two weeks. Like, let's just be honest. Minus, minus Rick Pitino. Minus Rick Patina, but we're not going to talk about that. No, Nick, we have a lot more to get into going into this offseason. I wish I could say I was relieved, but honestly, it's just like this pent up. There was a pent up celebration within me tonight that I was just excited to get on here 
uh, and, and do this podcast, you know, three or four more times. And ultimately they fell short, kind of the story of the season, but we'll be here bringing you coverage wall to wall as long as it doesn't happen after like 11 p.m. Uh, wall to wall coverage on the starting 502 podcast uh, for Nick Connor, Presley Meyer. Let's get the heck out of here. Go cards. Go cards. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.